mindfulness mode. It not only heals the teller of that story, but it heals the reader in so many ways. Hey, Mindful Tribe, my guest today will help you write brave words that will help heal the world. So that sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? Well, I'll tell you what, she is amazing. She has three decades of experience in holistic physical therapy. She has a third degree black belt. So look out. She has 11 books and she's known as the champion of entrepreneurs who want to grow their health-based practices. She's the owner of Brave Healer Productions, and she's ready to get your message into the world in a huge way. My guest is Laura DeFranco, and wow, she's amazing. You can find her at bravehealer.com. Hey, Laura, are you in mindfulness mode today? (laughs) I'm always in mindfulness mode, Bruce. It's how I got to what I'm doing today. I love this topic. Wow. Well, I I think it's fascinating to talk to you because I've talked to you before and uh, we have some mutual friends and I'm just so excited to have you on the show today. What does mindfulness mean to you, Laura? Oh, you know, I often say that the word should be because when you're connected, you're sensing and you're actually out of your mind a little bit, (laughs) not out of your mind, but out (laughs) of your mind, you know, and you're more grounded and centered into a feeling space, a noticing space. And so of course, this is everything to me with a practice of mindfulness, bodyfulness, however you want to call it, anything is possible. I get so excited about this topic. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so happy to talk to you. And you have a new book out, but it's part of a a series. And you had the first one, The Ultimate Guide to Self-Healing. And now you've got volume two. And that's so exciting. So what led you to this point where you decided to create this book called The Ultimate Guide to Self-Healing? So, you know, after 10 books over the years, I thought, well, I really need to do one of those collaborative projects. And I had actually been in three before this all happened. And I had been thinking about it over the years and really just, I never did it. But on March 20th, I woke up. Now, mind you, March 20th, this was about a week after... Marilyn made the announcement that they were locking down and my physical therapy practice ended, right? It shut down. And I was had been in a bit of a panic for about a week, but I had also been transitioning to this current business of helping people write their words and their books and blogs and things. So I woke up on the 20th, Bruce, with from a dream. It was it I had been. I woke up sort of the dream was lingering in my mind about the collaborative book idea. I walked to the kitchen, opened up my laptop, wrote a note in a Facebook group that I run with my healer ladies. And I said, ladies, the world needs to understand how to heal at home right now. And we all have those tools for them. Who wants in? And in 48 hours, I had 24 yeses. And five weeks later, that book was born on Amazon. 
Now, if you're, if you're in the book world, you know, that's a small miracle, right? So what I've been talking about in terms of this project is, man, it has a way bigger energy than just me. And I feel like at this point, I'm just following orders. So, you know, from that beautiful universe who, who just tapped me on the head with that magic wand that morning and said, you, you do this, you need to go and do this. Right. And so it's been amazing. Yeah, well, you are just amazing putting this all together in five weeks. I have no idea how you did that. Now, you have a lot of experience with books. Are I they do. all self-published? Is that how you've, you've just gained so much experience from your other books? I've self-published and hybrid published. I was picked up by an indie publisher in 2018 for one of my books called Brave Healing. And so I've done a little bit of everything. I worked with an agent for a year and the book thing. Yeah. I mean, I had enough experience to gather those, those people and including Ian Morris, who's the reason you and I are connected. So there was one gentleman in that group and I had enough experience to guide them through the process, which really turned out quite amazing. And you don't do something that quickly without 24 other amazing people helping you do it, right? They got their words in on time. They understood how to do it. They just, yeah, they were with me every step of the way. So I will give a very big shout out to them right now and say, thank you for being who you are and stepping up to do it with me. So did you coach them as they moved through this process? I did. I mean, some of them had already been authors, but many were very first time authors maybe the first time they had ever published words out loud for the world to read. And so I did, I coached everybody through the process of not only writing a story that would resonate with the reader and how to teach their tool in words, because that's a challenge in and of itself. And we teach our tools all day long, you know, with the mindfulness thing too. We're good at that piece, but actually writing it in a way that the reader could have an experience, that was a challenge that they all stepped up into and and said yes to. So I coached the writing and I also coached the launching process, which is, you know, I've learned a thing or two over the years about how to do that successfully. Right. I'm sure you have. Well, that's one of the impressive things about the book is that all of your uh, participants have tools that are very accessible, very easy to understand and easy to use. And uh, so you not only read fascinating stories about the person and how they got to where they are, but then they go ahead and share some actual usable tools that can help you right here and now. So where did you come up with the idea to make it so practical like that? Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for saying what you just said, because it was seriously a mission of the book. Because I had read a lot of compilations in the past and been a part of three, I told you already. And the stories heal. I'm not going to discount that piece of it because that is a jewel in these books is reading the story itself. It not only heals the teller of that story, but it heals the reader in so many ways where we just don't feel alone when we read somebody's authentic story. You know, we feel like a part of something bigger and not feeling alone is a big deal. But I really had the mission of adding the tool piece of making it practical so that when we were stuck at home and we couldn't go out 
to have our hands-on healers like we all needed and wanted and have loved, you know, for years that we could feel empowered to do these things on our own. Cause I mean, isn't that the mark of a master healer that they empower their clients? And yeah. so there's this thing over the years with this, right? Like you can come and lay on my table and I will fix you, but that's not really authentic healing. Authentic healing isn't being able to empower that person to understand what they can do. And so the book, I, I just, yeah, I'm proud of these, um, of these authors for doing that and for being willing to, and for really just doing it in an amazing way. And Laura, what part of your career were you in where it came to you that you really, really loved working with women? Because I know most of your participants are women. Ian Morris, we both know he's episode 403 on Mindfulness <laughs> Mode, and he's such a great guy. He's all about sound yes. healing. But the rest of your people are women. When did you come to that conclusion? That's a great question. And I've done a lot of work around who my ideal client is. And I almost don't even like to say that term ideal client because it's like a hot topic in the business world right now, but it's more about understanding who you were born to serve. And you can be pretty unapologetic about that when you get that clarity. So the whole mindfulness and meditation type of practice being connected with what lights you up in so many different ways, including who you serve, right? Getting that clarity. So over the years of serving people, lots of different people, I realized that it was a, a fellow woman, a fellow entrepreneur, and a fellow healer that I was born to serve. You've worked in holistic physical therapy. Can you tell us anything about any more of your, your healing work that you've personally done? Yes. Oh gosh. I, I paused because, uh, the thought in my head was like, Oh, where to start with that one? Um, so much, right. I think that when you choose this profession, you, <laughs> you are a special breed of person who chooses the healing path because you have to be a trailblazer of some sort there. You have to do the work so that you can hold a healing space for other people. And I've done a lot of different kinds of work in that realm. I am a myofascial release therapist, a craniosacral practitioner. I've studied under so many different healers and practitioners who do this mind, body, soul healing thing all a little bit different but how cool it's been over the years to gather my tools and create my own toolbox out of all of them. Oh, that's, that's so amazing. Tell us about your third degree black belt. That's a different <laughs> part of you that I don't know anything about. Um, in, let's see, my son was five and a half at the time that we uh, were looking around for something for him to do, just socialize, get, get some activity going. And we decided to walk into our YMCA and watch a Taekwondo class. And mm -hmm. it was just one of the things we were checking out, right? Yeah. And so we peeked in the door for a while and watched everybody. And we heard the noises and saw the kicking and all the stuff. And we walked out that day and I turned to him and said, so what do you think? You want to do this? And he looked up at me five and a half in that tiny little guy voice and said, I'll do it if you do it, mom. 
(laughs) Six years later, we earned our black belts together. And that was an incredible journey. In fact, the very first book that I published uh, for the world to read was called Living, Healing, and Taekwondo. And it, it was the journey of those six years of being a mom and a wife and a healer and a martial artist and everything that was going on in my world in terms of what I was learning about my own fears and moving through them. And yeah, so I love to tell that story. Thank you for asking. <laughs> That's a wonderful story. Was he your only child or do you have some other children as well? He was my first. He is 20 now and okay. attending the University of Maryland. And I have a daughter who's 17. Uh, what have your children taught you about mindfulness? Oh, holy moly. So... I think that they have been two of my greatest teachers. Of course, it's the people who push all your buttons in all of the different ways that end up being your best, greatest teachers, right? I've had to slow down and breathe and relax my thinking more often in their presence than with anyone else, or maybe my ex-husband too. I'm not sure. He's probably in there as well. But that's that, yeah, isn't that the whole challenge and beautiful gift? Because when you can use mindfulness in the most challenging situations where you're triggered the most, you're gonna end up having just the opportunities to change your life in those moments. That's how strongly I feel about that. Your your business is called bravehealer.com. At least that's your website. How did you come up with bravehealer.com? Do you have to be brave to be a healer? <laughs> I think that if you are working in the realm of authentic healing, you do have to be brave. And brave means a lot of things for a lot of different people. It doesn't have one definition. Sometimes, some days, brave means... I just showed up Mm. and other days it means publishing a story. It's, it's all ends of the spectrum. Right. But I think as healers, as, as people who took on being a healthcare practitioner and really we sign up for that in the beginning because we want to help people. Right. And we don't really even know sometimes what we're signing up for because the real work hasn't even begun back at that age when you're choosing careers and doing all of those things, but it takes some courage to move along that path and make the mistakes and fail a couple of times and keep moving through that. And again, I'll just say being a trailblazer for that kind of living. Well, I love that you use the word courage as you talked about bravery. And I think most of us pair those words together. Was there ever a point in your life where it was just such a struggle to pull together the courage that you needed to move forward? Yes. I think that I've always been an action taker, though. And so if I was going to say any trick or secret to having courage, I would say that you don't have it first and then do the thing. Mm. 
you actually figure out how to do the thing and then you feel more courageous as a result and you go on to the next thing. And so, so I, I did have to, but I kind of trained myself as an action taker early on. And so I believe that some of that, um, you know, courage comes from <laughs> just being a practiced action taker, being practiced at being mindful of the feeling of the purpose driven fear inside my body and doing it anyway, doing the thing that I want to do anyway with that feeling. So Laura, do you meditate? Is that part of your life? Yes. So, you know, the first book I ever read on this topic was True Meditation by Adya Shanti. Uh And what I absolutely loved, I'm so happy. I can't remember who recommended that book, but I, I thank you if you're listening. Because the way that he wrote about meditation was in terms of mindfulness, He even joked in that book about, you know, it's not always about sitting on a pillow for an hour with your legs crossed and chanting. It's more about your daily, hourly, moment-to-moment presence. I appreciated that explanation so much at that time because I was a working mom with two kids and I could not sit for an hour, I couldn't find the time working full time and then taking care of the household, right? So I would practice while I did the dishes. I would practice while I was driving. And it's the mindfulness that is my practice. So do I meditate all day long? You suggested the title for this episode, which I find intriguing. It's how to have fun with your fear. Well, how do you have fun with your fear? You seem to have fun with everything you do, Laura. I think having fun in life is part of the trick, right? And so purpose-driven fear, that's the kind of fear that we have a little bit more fun with. We start to recognize what we were born for, who we're here to serve, what big dreams we have and what we want to do in the world. And that fear that you feel inside of you, it feels so much like the regular kind, the survival kind. But in the discernment between those two kinds of fear is this place where you get to choose to have more fun with this other kind, this purpose-driven kind. And so I read a uh, blog by Elizabeth Gilbert one day several years ago, and it was titled, Your Fear is Boring. And so I've tweaked that quote to, your fear of not good enough is boring. Mm. And I love to have fun with my purpose-driven fears now because what I realized is if I could get brave and share my authentic stories out loud, I could actually help people change and, and even sometimes save a life. So I have a lot more fun. I have so much fun with that one quote that I actually uh, tattooed it on myself once upon a time. (laughs) A A daily reminder, your fear is boring because what you're sharing could help somebody. Right? That's where, um, the mission of words that change the world come in. Wow. I like that. Wow. Your fear is boring. (laughs) Wow. And you can help someone. You can. We all can. 
And we just, sometimes we just keep thinking we can't, or we think we aren't empowered to do that. But the fact is there's someone out there that you can help no matter who you are, no matter where you are, there's someone out there that you can help. So you have, like when I talk to you about all the different projects you've done and things you've done with your children and all these kinds of things, it just sounds like your life was so carefully planned out and you had goals and you had all sorts of thoughts and ideas. Is that the way it really was? You planned all this out and it all just fell into place. Okay. My mom would be laughing right now. So if she listens to this, she will definitely have a chuckle because what she would tell you is that from a very, very early age, I lined up all my stuffed animals in my room along the wall and it was very orderly and I had everything planned and all the stuff. Right. And I think I really was born that way. (laughs) You're making me laugh too. One of the very first books I read was the, the power of focus. Uh, it's a Jack Canfield uh, book. And yeah, it was all about planning and goal setting and checking off your check marks, you know, which I still love to do. And I think that, you know, the planning is cool, but then you actually have to make the call. You have to set up the meeting. You have to do that scary thing. Or, you know, you can plan till the cows come home, but if you don't actually take action and get into the flow of that kind of thing, that nothing, you know, nothing will ever happen. But it does have to start with a plan. It has to start with a big vision, right? Something a little bigger, something that you feel a little scared about, but that's that purpose-driven kind of fear again. Well, your books, The Ultimate Guide to Self-Healing, are really terrific. And you mentioned you're working on the third one, or the third one is going to be happening soon. What is coming up in the overall plan? Can you share any of that with us? So the publishing aspect of my business is the big vision for me. Thank you so much for asking. What I love about this and being able to talk with it with you about it is I believe very much so that when it's out loud, it's real. If you're not speaking these big visions out loud to your friends on a podcast, you know, you keep it up in your head and the speaking is what creates that, uh, helps create it, you know? So the publishing services, I think is the big vision. I have a vision to help the healers of the world have a bigger voice. It's about time, right? We're overdue here. And I have a vision to do that in a way that helps them feel brave and confident and high vibe. A lot of people, when they think about sharing their story, they have particular fears about not wanting to hurt anyone in in telling their authentic story. Um, They have fears about imposter syndrome. They have that not good enough fear. And because I have practiced a, a certain kind of awareness over my career as a healer myself, I think that there's a way to publish that is much more aware and mindful and high, again, high vibe. When you read the ultimate guide to self-healing books, and I've had the feedback, 
I hope you feel the same way. The vibe is palpable from these amazing experts. They are doing this thing I speak of in their writing and in their sharing with you. So when you collect 25 of those people who are all on that same page of connection and intention, holy moly, it is a powerful thing. So that's the vision here. That's the bigger vision. So more books, Bruce, they're coming. They're coming. (laughs) It is a powerful experience to read the books. It really is. It just feels (laughs) so uplifting and so encouraging to hear the stories. And some of those people had really tough times and they moved through them and then they moved to a place where they were helping other people. I think that's absolutely fantastic. So, you know, I just want to ask you, if I were a healer, and I were listening to Mindfulness Mode right now, and I've never dabbled into this area of writing, but I thought, geez, I want to get my message out there. How would this look? What would this be like to work with you? And would it be like really, well, you tell us. (laughs) When the author experts come into these projects, they are at all levels of writing experience. And I have the writing experience to be able to coach them in a way that they start to get really excited about this particular medium of expression. Um, And I just love it. And so that comes through too, right? So I know how to help uh, authors who aren't authors yet or who want to be authors. And so working with me ends up being a combination of coaching and healing and moving through their fears whatever those fears are about expressing their message bigger in the world, I'm basically busting them through all of those fears and excuses to the other side and publishing something that they're extremely proud of that then goes on to help people. This ripple is super real for me right now. And so um, that energy I've been told is a little contagious. Well, I've worked in the field of bullying prevention for a long time, and I always like to ask a question about this on my show. I wonder, as a collaborator and as a writer and a healer, have you experienced any kind of bullying through that? And if you have, how did you work through it and how did mindfulness play a role in that if it did? What a great question, because I think that a lot of people who are thinking about sharing their story out loud, either writing or speaking, They're worried about the hecklers and the critics and the bullies. And here's the thing, you guys, it's not if this will happen, it's when. Because when you play bigger in the world, you're getting more eyes and ears on you. And there's a big mission behind that. Don't let that idea stop you. Yes, it's going to happen. Wow. So Bruce, you know, the practice of mindfulness helped me greatly because when the first viral blog happened for me, that's exactly what happened. And I had a comment there and I was in reaction mode for way too long. And I love to be able to tell the story because you can always look back on something and right. And you can see how you, how you went through that. But I worked it out. I spoke with people. I reached out about how I was feeling. I practiced the mindfulness as best that I could, even in my triggered state with what this person had commented about. 
Right. And now I love that whole experience because it helped me be more in a response place for, you know, if and when it happens moving forward, there are going to be opinions about what you say, especially if you're saying it out loud in a bigger way. And everybody, because they, you know, grew up and they have, they're, they're operating through their own unique filter it's not going to be the same as yours. And when you start to not take things personally, but get back in front of that mission that you have on a repeated basis, use your mindfulness to refocus on your bigger vision. Anytime something like that happens, it's going to be one of the biggest gifts you give yourself. Because I'll just go back to saying that your words will help change somebody's life. Purpose has a face. And so when you can make this personal and put the face of that person that you're writing for, that you're speaking for in front of you every day, you're much more likely to move through the bullies because you know you're not here to serve them. Those aren't your people. That's a long answer, but this is another topic I feel passionate about. Well, it's a long answer. It's a great answer. I think that's awesome to hear your take on that. And I want to hear your take on this pandemic that we're going through. And it's now July and started way back in March. Uh, it sounds like things have gone, gone relatively well, relatively smoothly for you. But what's been your biggest personal challenge as we've moved through this pandemic? Wow, the feeling of weirdness. <laughs> Is that an answer? The, the, it, it's like a feeling that we none of us have felt before. It's, it's in the anxiety slash fear family, but it's so, you know, the hot word of the day is unprecedented. We're getting used to another level of uncertainty that we didn't have before this. And so even the people who have been practicing mindfulness and they have a meditation practice or a healing practice, even we're being challenged in a whole nother level right now. Um, I could say so much about this, but I think the biggest thing for me was to use the mindfulness practice that I have built and created a discipline out of. That's another key. You have to make it a lifestyle. I've used everything that I've known to do, and I've had to amp up my toolbox a couple of notches during the pandemic, really go back to practicing tools every day rather than just once in a while if I kind of needed it you know, here and there. I, I really have to go back to it daily because when you're in your mind about what could happen, the what-ifs, the uncertainty, the not knowing, and... Something I talked about early on uh, with you was the feeling in your body, right? So for a lot of us, we're feeling the ache here in our chest. We're feeling that thing in the pit of our stomach. We feel it in our body and we're making that mean something. And so for you, it's going to be whatever you're making it mean. So I've had to gut check myself <laughs> over and over and really ask myself, okay, listen, you're feeling that feeling, but what are you making it mean today? So let's maybe cut that part out and just give yourself permission to feel the feeling, breathe a little bit more, and then 
refocus on something that feels purposeful to you today, right here in this moment. Well, you mentioned that you use tools on a daily basis. Can you kind of give us a little bit of a glimpse of a couple of those tools that you haven't mentioned already today? So exercise for me, therapeutic kind of movement in any fashion has always been really important for me. I have a lot of energy, if you haven't noticed. And so Mm -hmm. if I'm not moving my body on a regular basis, I have a little too much and it turns to anxiety a lot of the time. So walking in nature, jogging, I love to run too. So hiking and walking and jogging in nature on the trails has been one of my tools. And I've really been doing a lot more of that in the last four months than I used to. Um, Journaling, you know, that's an easy one for me because I'm a writer. So I love to have nothing on the plan of publishing and just sit with my journal and scribble even if I want to scribble that day and just no expectation of what that is. Um, Poems are often the way that the words move through me. So I love to sit in the morning outside with my cup of coffee and listen to the birds and open up the notebook and just no expectation, just take a breath and feel the words that want to move through. And um, that is so nourishing feeling to me. So I was doing it not every day before these four months you know, these past four months, but now, um, I'm really getting into the practice of making some time for that every single day, even if it's just a few minutes, it's better than nothing. So those are a couple of the tools. Music is another one, by the way. So just thinking of our friend Ian, I have so enjoyed the sound healing kind of music that he's putting out. And so I will regularly now put these little headphones on and just get myself comfortable and listen through one of the tracks when I need to bring that vibration just up a little. And it's been fantastic. Oh yeah. Ian's music is amazing. That's for sure. It really is. As we move forward in this interview, Laura, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person that has been a powerful influence in the area of mindfulness for you? So I will give my master, uh, Taekwondo master kudos for that. So he helped me understand that if I discipline the mind, the body will follow. That's his quote. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Laura? The worst triggery kinds of emotions, I feel now I can move through honor and get to the other side of quicker. That's how it's affected my emotions. You've touched on breathing already, but can you sum it up? How is breathing a part of your mindfulness practice? The very quickest way to that bodyfulness I mentioned earlier is the breath. And it sounds kind of corny to say, you know, breathing is important, but breath is life. So if you want the quickest way to that connection, it would be a deep, full pelvic breath. Well, your books are incredible. The Ultimate Guide to Self-Healing, Volume 1, 2, and I haven't seen Volume 3 yet, of course, but um, those books are terrific. What book would you recommend that could help our listeners with mindfulness? 
Wow. There are so many books. Oh my goodness. I have a beautiful list. Uh, is this a 30 second answer? <laughs> like I'm thinking of my long list of books. So, okay. Do you, do you remember when Eckhart Tolle did the Oprah book club and every, this was a long time ago and every week they did the book club chapter where they talked about a new earth. Yes. So I guess I would have to just go back to that book and say that changed the way I thought about presence. So yeah, there's my 30 second answer yeah, for now. I really like a new earth. <laughs> I really like that book by Eckhart Tolle. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So are there any apps that you would suggest or recommend for people in the area of mindfulness? Aside from yours, I just, I don't know. Like, okay. Um, Calm is the one, but honestly, I'm waiting for Ian to make his app. <laughs> yeah. And he's working on it. I know. I know. I think both of you have to work on those apps. So yes. the Calm app, honestly, uh, apps are an interesting topic. I think that they're, they're going to be what we need to look into in terms of everybody moving into their iPhones and their computers, right? To do this mindfulness thing. But I, I have to admit to you that I don't reach for an app when it comes to this topic because all it takes is a breath. And I'd much rather let um, things like nature be my, my quick app. So I will walk outside. But the Calm app is one of them if I have to answer that question <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. Well, you know, I, I've just loved talking to you. You're found at bravehealer.com, such an easy website to remember. And do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners, our Mindful Tribe listeners today, Laura? Yeah, thank you. You were born, so you are worthy. Your message matters. What if the thing you're still a little afraid to share is exactly what someone needs to hear to change or even save their life? It's time to be brave. Oh, I love that. Well, I just admire you so much. I just love the work you do and I love you. I think it's just incredible what you, you do and I feel like I can relate to you so well. So thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode today, Laura. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that your listeners understand what an amazing gift you are to the world and bringing us on to help share this message. So you guys, you need to run and give Bruce the biggest, most awesome review for this podcast ever. All right. <laughs> That's my call to action for you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Laura. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Do the same. Yeah. Bye now. Mindful Tribe, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you did, please tell your friends about the show. Every person who subscribes and listens helps our show. So in the meantime, take what you heard today and reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.